0: Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you, and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 89. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. Today, we're continuing with our exploration of the intention for May, emotions and our health with another episode that is also part of our Go Deeper series on this podcast. As many of you know, who are longtime listeners of the podcast, this series was inspired by all of you asking for more Ayurveda and yoga knowledge, going deeper on a specific topic to learn and understand more about these healing modalities. And so every month since the beginning of the year, I've been bringing in other experts in Ayurveda for these episodes to discuss these topics, other Ayurvedic practitioners many of whom I consider my own mentors and teachers as well. And so today I am so happy to have Dr. Amy Wheeler back again with me, this time to discuss the endocrine system, emotional digestion, and the energetic body. It's a fascinating topic that you definitely don't want to miss. Amy has a PhD in educational psychology and began her mind-body teaching career as a sports psychology consultant and yoga teacher to many elite level athletes, including the LA Lakers and five US Olympic national teams. Over the last 25 years, Amy's life purpose has been to educate people about yoga, psychology and wellness. And she uses these professional skills to engage a student's body, breath and mind, teaching them how to create sustainable health and happiness. Dr. Wheeler has also been involved in developing numerous yoga therapy research projects, including work with researchers at Vanderbilt University and at California State University San Bernardino where she was an active professor for 25 plus years. Amy is also the podcast host of the Yoga Therapy Hour, the creator of a mobile app for tracking mental health and the founder of the Optimal State Yoga Therapy Schools, accredited by the International Association of Yoga Therapists. In addition, Amy has authored 14 training manuals, many of which that I've studied, seven children's books, three books of poetry, and also over 865 hours of curriculum for the Optimal State of Living programs, again, a course that I took, as well as hundreds of hours of audio and video courses for health and healing that can be found on her website, In our conversation today, Amy and I talk about the endocrine gland system and how it's related to the energetic body via the chakras and how our emotions are stored in the chakras leading to endocrine disorders. We also dive into the three-phase emotional digestive process and how imbalances in the energy body can manifest as physical dis-ease over time, as well as the role of presence and expressing needs for emotional processing. You'll hear me have so many aha moments on this episode, Dr. Amy also explains the importance of creating space to process emotions and shares simple practices to facilitate emotional digestion. I am so happy to have my friend, teacher, and mentor, Dr. Amy Wheeler, back on the podcast again to go deeper, to talk about emotions, chakras, and the endocrine system from an Ayurvedic perspective as we explore emotions and our health. Amy, I am so incredibly excited to have you back on the podcast again. I think the last time we did this was about a year and a half ago. You know, I just respect you so much. You're one of my mentors, teachers, someone I consider a dear friend. And I'm just so thrilled that you are back on the podcast to dive into a topic with me and teach my community so much of the things that you know. And specifically we're going to be talking about the endocrine system and endocrine glands and mapping the physical to the energetic from an ayurvedic and yoga therapy perspective and emotional digestion kind of a very you know broad and sometimes complicated topic but I think what I love so much about you is that you have this amazing way of making really complex at times esoteric topics from an Ayurvedic and yoga therapy perspective, so approachable and understandable and digestible. <laughs> and so thank you for doing this and for for helping my community understand this topic. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you for having
1: me, Avanti. I
0: feel the same
1: about you, that we've been friends and colleagues for a long time now. I've read your books and spent time talking about all of these really deep topics with you and it's wonderful to have someone like you that i get to live life with and and continue to go deeper and deeper together as the years go on so thank you for having me
0: oh my pleasure my pleasure and actually that you know the living life together i remember when we first met almost 8 9 years ago i think now Was when I started my yoga therapy training, which is how I met you here in Chicago. And you said to me one time when we were having a deep discussion about, I think, esoteric, but also personal things. And you said, you know, we're just two women walking each other home. And I remember feeling so deeply moved when you said that. And so as you're saying this again right now, it's reminding me of our very deep connection that we have. So. I'm just so excited to do this with you. Hmm.
1: I still feel the same. We're walking each other home. So (laughs) thanks. So back to your question about the endocrine system and emotions. And I want to go all the way back to the start because what we're going to talk about today is a very strange way to look at the endocrine system and emotions every time Mm-hmm. I present the material to our yoga therapy trainees, their eyes get wide, they have aha moments and they're just kind of blown away that they've never heard this before. So I remember when that happened to me about 25 years ago, when I went to Chennai, India to study with my teachers at the Krishnamacharya Yoga Manduram, and they were giving me personal practices and they kept saying things like, oh, this is an endocrine system imbalance." this is due to undigested emotions and she needs a cleansing lunghana practice like there were all these sanskrit words i was trying to put t- together in my head like what are they talking about what does this mean <laughs> they were talking about me in front of me so i first just want to say to your listeners and our listeners that as you're listening today you may have these aha moments and i would just highly recommend that you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner, and or a yoga therapist, because this is something that we specialize in that I don't see a lot of other people working with. So where should I start? I think you were asking in Ayurveda, how are the endocrine glands related to the energetic body?
0: Yes, exactly. And so sort of let's bridge the physical that we know in Western medicine and physiology. To the energetic that we know of in Ayurveda and yoga therapy. I think let's start with that bridge, if we could. Sure. Okay, so
1: according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and all of Yoga and Ayurveda, any kind of dis-ease, and I, I say that with a D-I-S-E-A-S-E dis-ease, you could think of that as a disease, or you could think of that as having some disease it always starts on the subtle and knocks on the door. And if we don't hear it, it manifests into something more tangible and gross. And one of the things that they say in Ayurveda, as you know, that there's six stages of the dis-ease process. And the first three stages are not even detectable by any kind of Western allopathic medical tests that we have. So you're already at the fourth stage of disease by the time you can detect it or diagnose it. So think about that, that, that something has been happening deep inside you for a lot of times what I've heard from my teachers, four to five years of endocrine system being out of balance by the time we can even find anything on a Western medical test. So that's what I mean by subtle to gross in that it has been manifesting very subtly. And, you know, the way that we could look at this in the yogic way is the subtle body, the pranamaya body, whether you think of that as the different chakras or whether you think of that as the different values, there's many ways to look at the subtle body that those chakras or values are getting out of balance for quite a long time before the disease actually shows up in any organ on the gross level the man- manifest level so when let's just say the chakras you know most people in yoga would say there are at least seven chakras some people say up to 10 but we have the the first chakra the chakra of elimination the second chakra which is more about reproduction the third chakra is about digestion and Uh, Yeah, I think digestion would be a good way to look at it. Um, Fourth being, you know, our emotions, our heart center. The fifth being our ability to speak our truth. The sixth being communication as well as wisdom and perception. And the seventh being something higher than ourselves. So you could think of it as something is going kind of out of balance in any of these areas digestion reproduction metabolism respiration you know any of those areas could be slightly going out of balance before we realize we have an endocrine system problem so i'll just stop there for a minute and see what that brings up for you
0: yeah well so i mean what you've described is really beautiful because if you actually look at a picture of the body And map the chakras and then overlay a map of the endocrine glands, they actually line up almost perfectly. So you'll actually see glands that overlay each of the chakras. So, right there, that's exactly what you've described. And so, this idea that there is an imbalance that will happen at the subtle level in the energetic system, in the energy body, that will then over this period of time, a few years, then start to show up at the physical level, makes sense, right? Because they're it's almost like they're lined up in some way. And then we'll get to the emotions part. But, you know, as you're saying this, it's also bringing up so much for me as I'm going through this cancer journey right now. And, you know, I have spent quite a bit of time thinking about the fact that, you know, I am a practitioner of Ayurveda and yoga therapy, and I do all of these practices to take care of myself, but I have been very in tune with the idea that there's probably a lot of emotions that I have not processed that have probably led to this imbalance over time, which eventually showed up as a cancer diagnosis. But before that was probably more of an endocrine, a mild endocrine imbalance of some kind. So that's just something that's coming up for me as I'm thinking about it. And it's not to say that, you know, to make it sort of this thing to be afraid of, but I think it's bringing awareness to the idea that in Ayurveda and yoga therapy, we say that diseases start, dis-ease, as you said, start so much before they actually show up in a physical level. And so that's something to just think about on a daily basis of Am I processing the emotions, which we're going to get to sort of this kind of leads to the next, you know, question that I have for you is, you know, how then do we translate emotions, the energetic body and emotions at these different chakra levels, which will then show up as endocrine disorders?
1: So the first thing that I want to say is I had the same situation as you in that I was diagnosed with cancer. Thankfully, I'm on the other side of it. And I had, you know, I laid in bed for four months pondering this question. And I, I want to make sure that we're not shaming or blaming ourselves like, oh, Amy or, oh, Avanti, why didn't you do better, right? I think what I discovered in, in laying in bed for four months was I've done pretty damn good this life. I did the best I could. I didn't have the internal or external resources to do anything different than I did, and the the reason these things don't get digested is because life is too damn much. It's a lot, <laughs> and as much as we have skill sets and we understand this, it doesn't always translate into having the space that we need to do the emotional digestion. Mm. I think that's thing that I've learned from this is that you know running through a day for twelve hours with family. Professional, personal responsibilities, there's no space for me to digest the emotions as they come up. And so as a result, it's like, oh, I got to get on to the next thing. I'll just kind of tuck that away in here. But then you don't go back in the evening and kind of pull all of that out and process and digest it. So, you know, one of the things on a very practical level that I'd like to talk to your, your listeners about is can we plan little mini digestion periods? Into our day, where we're not eating and running, where we're actually sitting and eating and reflecting, where we're maybe doing a yoga nidra every single afternoon to give ourselves a little space to digest what happened in the morning, where we have a nighttime ritual to create a little space between our last activity and falling asleep that we can use to digest, whether that's a hot bath or a sauna or something. So just to say, you know, after you eat a big meal, usually you'll either sit down or maybe go for a little walk to give time to digest. But we have to do that emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for digestion also. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I know. And thank you for saying that because I appreciate you saying that this is not about, you know, making ourselves feel bad. Again, you know, I've been asked this question so many times and- also, honestly, when I was first deciding whether and how I was going to share about my cancer diagnosis, I had a lot of anxiety, shame, guilt I don't know, feelings of overwhelm of like, I have all these skills. I have studied so much <laughs> in Western medicine and Eastern medicine, Ayurveda, yoga therapy. And I still, you know, there was this voice in my head saying, and I still had a cancer diagnosis. But I think. What you just shared is actually almost bringing me to tears because it is true the space for the emotional digestion, as I'm thinking about it right here on the spot, was not there. I had so many things going on, and you know a lot of my personal story, and you know we've shared a lot over the years. Uh, and I probably didn't make the space, even though I thought I was digesting a lot of these emotions. And so I think your point, is is so well taken that creating space like literally just creating the space and the intention that during that space I'm going to process emotions on a daily basis regularly in the same way that we digest and process our food our physical food and drink i think that's such a beautiful practice and such a profound way of of bringing this idea into a practical sense of what we're talking about. So thank you so much for saying that, Amy. I really appreciate that. It's a lot for me to think about as well right now. So, But let's get back to you know, the idea of the chakras, the energetic body connecting to the emotional body or emotions and sort of let's, how, how do we put these kind of together? Because we've already done you know, the overlay of endocrine glands, the physical to the energetic, but now how do we go to the emotional? So I was thinking about this question
1: beforehand, and again, it it isn't something that's in our Western allopathic medical model. So I'm going to ask our listeners to stretch a little bit, but I think we could say something to the effect of when we have an emotion that for whatever reason cannot be processed, digested, and released in in a given moment because we're too busy or we're too stressed or we don't have the space that emotion is tucked down somewhere in our body and according to the ancient yogis the the types of things that get tucked in the pelvic floor are different than the types of things that get tucked down in the solar plexus or the heart space so you know the the lower chakras if you will might be more around I'm feeling othered. I feel like my tribe doesn't have my back or maybe I don't feel like I have a support system. Maybe I have financial insecurity, maybe I don't feel safe in my relationship. Maybe something has been done to me against my will that has just made me not feel safe in general. Maybe I don't have the self-esteem to value myself and and feel worthy. Those are those are feelings that get tucked down into our body. Those are emotions that get tucked down into there. And you know, you could go all the way up to the upper chakras too. What are the types of things that tend to get stuck in each one of those places? But we have this opportunity, go back and allow that emotion to come back up and reprocess it. And, you know, the main way that I help people do this is through yoga nidra or through meditation, where we bring the person into a very deep state of parasympathetic activity, the relaxation response, and then we'll take them through a visualization or through my yoga nidra that has a very specific purpose so that in a safe place, and it's kind of, there's a container, there's a therapeutic relationship between Myself and the student, and maybe the student also has a talk therapist, depending on the nature of their their wound. But the point is, through something like yoga nidra or meditation, that's targeted to that person. Right? There's been an assessment. We've co-negotiated what we're going to work on together. We've co-chosen an object of meditation together, and the goal is to allow those emotions to be touched and to come to the surface so that they can be processed and let go. That's very unique to Ayurveda and yoga. I don't know a lot of other systems that for 5,000 years have really mapped out how to do that process safely and effectively.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think that it's one of the most powerful ideas in Ayurveda and yoga because it connects all of these different bodies, as we would call them, in, in Ayurveda and yoga. the emotional, to the physical, to the energetic bodies, and it, it maps them together and it makes that connection so that they're not separate, but they're actually interconnected. And you understand then how each affects the other and how so many of the symptoms, illnesses, chronic diseases that we end up having in our physical body start at this very subtle level, which is what you started the episode with. But let me ask you this. So if this is the way that these emotions get tucked away in these different chakra centers, as you described, you know, in the energy body, what is actually a healthy emotional digestive path, according to Ayurveda? Let's talk about the flip side.
1: Yeah, what would we like to happen up front? But if it didn't, it's actually the same path that we can use through me- meditation or yoga nidra to to get it to happen the second time. Um, so the the healthy digestion path would be that we are able to take in the life experience, positive, negative, neutral, in this moment. Like be present with it, like, oh, what's happening right here, right now? And that sounds so easy, but Most of us are going through our lives on autopilot and we're actually not present to what's happening. You know, if my husband has a complaint, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm out the door for work and I don't think about it again, (laughs) right? I'm not present to his complaint. So that sounds easy, but being present to your life means you have to slow down. It means you have to check in. It means you have to be connected to yourself and co-regulated with your loved ones. So that's number one. Then Once we realize, oh, my husband had a complaint or my wife or, you know, my child, then we have to be able to, in a non-reactive way, and this is also pretty difficult because as soon as we're reactive, it's game over. Can we digest and process it? How am I feeling about this? How is my child or my friend feeling about this or my boss? what is a way forward what what is this triggering in me what is what are these reactions i feel inside of me so that's number 2 to kind of digest it and i call it chew it up and really get clear about what's mine what's yours what's ours <laughs> and then after we've done that within ourselves the third phase would be the elimination or the letting go of the residual that's kind of left over that sad feeling that mad feeling that Frustrated feeling. It's like, okay, we came to an understanding, we digested it, and now I don't have to carry it with me anymore. I can take what's useful and use that to nourish myself, and I can let go of the things that I don't need to be holding on to instead of carrying them around like a backpack full of sadness and fear and anger that's going to color every perception I have of the world around me until. I can go through this process of taking it in, digesting it, and letting it go.
0: And I love how you describe that because that is so relatable, because it is what our digestive system does in the physical sense for food and drink. But here's a question I have for you is that the second step, the processing, the chewing it up with not with no reaction, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're not feeling the emotions. Cause I would say yeah. that feeling the emotions. Is very healthy and, and necessary, but without a reaction to it. I mean, that's a little confusing. How do you tease oh, okay. that out, Amy? <laughs> I <would> say, uh, <laughs> I'll give you an example. A couple of days
1: ago, my husband was so annoying. I found him to be so annoying. He was just being his sweet self. But in that moment, I felt a rush of anger go through me. I like literally started thinking, oh, I'm going to say this and that. And I said, no, Amy. You can feel these things. You can feel frustrated. You can, you know, be present to whatever's happening inside of you, but don't react and take him down. Go and figure out why you're feeling so angry, Amy. And and then, you know, if I need to express anger to him, of course I will. But to react from that place of anger wouldn't have been helpful. And I I did hold it back and I went on a walk and I did my self-care and it passed. And then I was able to talk to him in a much more calm state. And I was so relieved I didn't tear into him. I was so relieved because it was not the time to be tearing into him. He didn't need that on that given day. And frankly, I didn't need it either.
0: Yeah. And so what you've described is sort of the difference between expressing it versus reacting and taking it out on somebody else or on a situation. is just feeling the feelings, but not necessarily like going down that path of, you know taking someone down or even taking yourself down right because i think that that mm-hmm. also happens very much is that we feel these feelings and then we swirl into this feeling of oh my gosh i can't believe i'm feeling that way and oh you go down this path of tearing yourself apart <laughs> and reacting to yourself because you're having emotions and expressing emotions so i think that that's a really helpful example and i
1: want to jump in here unfortunately i think many of us only do half of this second digestion process the second stage we might even be able to not take somebody down and feel the feels the second half is going back in a calm manner and expressing our needs and our boundaries that's where a lot of people are getting stuck too because they're not finishing the digestion process they're just saying oh well got to move on maybe it's that not that big of a deal that is toxic. It's very toxic. We have to express our needs and our boundaries. And you know, I teach nonviolent communication and it is hard for people to express what their needs are and try to get their needs met. But that's part of this second stage. suggestion.
0: Yeah. So, so important expressing our needs. Wow. That is a mic drop for me right now because that is so so important because you're right. And I'm thinking about my own self. Like how many times have I thought that I was processing emotions or, you know, feeling the feelings, but then I am that person who keeps it to myself. How many times did I actually express my needs to a family member, a friend, a boss, a coworker, a colleague, whoever it is. I can honestly say right now, as we're talking that I historically don't express my boundaries or my needs. And I'm having all kinds of aha moments right now, Amy. This is like a coaching session or a yoga therapy session <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I,
1: I only teach what I need to hear. Uh, yes,
0: yes. That's always true. That's always true. Okay. so So then let's take it one step further. How does the emotional digestion then relate to the doshas and Ayurveda and the different energy patterns, the five elements, how can we map that to that? Hmm. All right. So we said that a healthy digestion of emotion
1: follows this path of taking in the experience and being present to it, digesting it, which means figuring out what's mine, what's yours, what's ours, and then stating our needs need to be met and then letting go of the residual of that. So the first phase, according to Ayurveda, is the kapha phase. It's like there's a bowl and we're putting the experience in that bowl. We're taking it in and holding it for a little bit. Part of this three-phase digestion process is that you hold it. You don't say, oh, there it is. Okay, I'm done. I got, I'm got i over it, right? You hold it for a little bit so you can feel it. So a lot of us don't do that kapha. Thing. We get our feelings hurt, or somebody crosses a boundary, and we're like, okay, moving on. It is what it is. No, we get to hold it just like your stomach holds food and starts to secrete the, the hydrochloric acid to start breaking things down. There has to be a holding period in the beginning, and that's the kafa, the processing or the digestion and the breaking down, what we might also call assimilation. Phase two is the pitta phase. That's where the stomach acid comes in, or you might say the the tapas, the, the heat or the friction on a mental, emotional, spiritual level comes in and and breaks things down and says, okay, this was painful. What are we learning from this? How can we move through this? And then after a full-on digestion has has occurred, then we go to the third phase, the letting go or the eliminating of the residual. And that's the vata. That's where we move things out. You know, vata is about movement. So moving it down and out so that we're not carrying it around in our cells or like a backpack on our back because we don't want that event to color every other event that is similar. You know, whether you've dated someone and they're not very kind to you, and then you think you hate all men or all women or all non-binary people, or even this this thing that you and I have been going through, you know, we going through cancer treatment and and healing, we could kind of get a thing around hospitals and doctors, right? And carry that with us for the rest of our life. Oh, I hate going to the hospital, right? So we have to work through these events and then let go of that, those hard residual feelings so that we can move with a clean slate going forward.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so then what if we, let's talk in Ayurvedic terms, like from what you just described, if we don't go into that kapha, pitta, vata stage, let's say, that causes an imbalance, right? And so how does that then start to show up emotionally, energetically? I mean, we're kind of going back in a circle, but I want to sort of tie this together, right? Because we're saying that we we need these three phases of all of the three doshas, kapha, then pitta, then vata. But if we eliminate one of those, or if we stay in one of those too long, that's going to cause an imbalance. And again, because we have, you know, patterns, all of us have patterns or habits, many of us can probably, and I can speak for myself, will, you know, start to skew where we're either ignoring one of those processes. Or we're staying in one too long, which can cause another imbalance, which I think is fascinating to think about it this way,
1: exactly. And I think why do we do that? Why are we unable to participate in phase one, two, or three? or why do we get stuck in phase one, two, or three? It probably goes back to early childhood experiences and the the ways that we were raised or not raised by our caretakers, maybe we were neglected, maybe we weren't seen or heard, maybe our caretaker was not emotionally healthy themselves. That's where the pattern started. So for me, instead of trying to figure out the magic of the body and where it got stuck, I think I'd like to go back and say, well, am I able to do the kapha phase? Am I able to sit with the emotions and, and feel them for for a day? Or is that something I want to rush through? So I would create a meditation or yoga nidra for someone to help them sit with the kapha and help them kind of reprogram that that stage of development that they missed as an earlier early childhood experience or maybe even an adult experience and then if we found out through you know some discussion that it's very hard for someone to look at what they may have contributed what the other person contributed, how they can get their needs met, you know, this would be phase two, Pitta, you had said, Avanti, that asking for your needs to be met is really hard. Well, then I would develop a, a meditation or a yoga nidra around you beginning to reprogram yourself to get your needs met. And then the same thing with the, the Vata phase, you know, there there may be something around letting go, maybe Some of us hold grudges. Maybe we do walk around with colored glasses on for the rest of our life in particular areas because it was too painful to let go after we hadn't been heard, after we hadn't had our needs met. Who can let go of that? Right. So again, we could develop some skills and strategies around that. And what I've found in working with those three phases and doing that kind of self-discovery process, amazing things happen, not only to the emotions, but to the endocrine system. And I can give you some examples Mm -hmm. if you want, but yep,
0: please, please do. Yes. I can't explain how it happens, but things
1: change. And, you know, I'll just use myself as an example. When I first started going to India, I had autoimmune disease and it got all the way to fibromyalgia, a light case, but You know, hard to go up and down stairs, hard to go hiking, hard to roll over in my bed, very sensitive, bruising all the time. I mean, it was was the beginnings of a a fibro case. And when I started to recognize that I have value, I have self-worth, I get to take up space in the world, and I'm lovable. And it's not only okay for my needs to be met, but it's necessary for me to speak my needs and have them met guess what happened? I no longer have fibro. I no longer have autoimmune. I don't have any of the, the blood markers that I used to. I find that remarkable. And I'll tell you one other thing. If I fall off the horse and stop taking care of my own needs, those little fibro symptoms start to creep back in. And I'm like, oh, there's that feeling. All right, Amy, what are you, what are you not paying attention to? Is it the kapha phase? You're too busy, you don't have time to hold these emotions. Is it the pitta phase? You're scared to speak your needs. Is it the vata phase? Are you grieving this and you're not able to let it go? Is there anything left in the pitta phase that needs to be taken care of before you can let this go finally? So I use my own body kind of as a a barometer to tell me how well I'm doing in these three phases of emotional digestion, because it will come
0: back if I don't keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. I'm loving. This description because I think it's so relevant. And again, I'm thinking about myself and what I've been through. And I I know that for me, most of my life, I have not allowed myself to be in the KAFA stage of, you know, really taking in the experiences. It's always like, it's okay, it's okay. I can move on. And it's, you know, a little bit of a martyrdom. I can totally admit that. And also part of my sort of type A personality of being practical and wanting to get things done. And so just moving through the emotions and saying it's okay, it's okay. So I definitely can see where I have not allowed myself to sit with emotions. And then I think the big part is the the pitta phase for me of of speaking my needs. Because I actually do think that I've always focused on the vata of eliminating things, of doing things, my practices, or, you know, talking it out and eliminating, but I don't know that I've ever really considered the first two and the fact that that's where I was having trouble. And this is, I mean, there's so many bells going off for me right now, and I'm going to have to really sit with this. But I would really encourage you know all of you who are listening to really take a look at this, because I think this is just a, a profound way of thinking about emotional digestion that Amy is sharing with us that i think will give you like you were saying amy so many insights into this idea of emotional digestion because i do think that you know so many times it's explained as feel your feelings process them get on and it's sort of like all lumped in together but this idea of it being three steps to it really breaks it down and it it actually releases some of that maybe that stigma the guilt the i'm not doing this right for me anyway because again coming back to what I've been going through I think I have been really struggling with the idea of I've been trying to process all these emotions I have all these skills I've been doing this for so long and what the hell I still you know had a cancer diagnosis and you've just shown a new light on it for me which is oh there's some other little pieces to it that maybe I because of my patterns, because of my personality, because of my Prakritri that I was born with, my genetic makeup, I didn't allow myself to go through the kapha stage or the pitta stage. So thinking out loud, there's so many thoughts coming in my mind right now, Amy, as we're talking.
1: (laughs) And I think it also could go to ancestral trauma, which you and I have talked about at length. I think it could go to epigenetics. I mean, certain genetic codes come down through in, and we accept that on the physical layer like certain people are more likely to have this disease but why can't that be also on the mental emotional and spiritual layer that things come down through our ancestors mm-hmm. the other thing i wanted to say is i think for a lot of people in the healing fields whether you're receiving or or giving healing we sometimes think that we should be spiritually take the high road We should have compassion for people that are suffering, but that's a really good way to bypass our own needs and our own feelings instead of being like, okay, this person really hurt me and I know that they're not well, acknowledge that, but damn, it still hurts. And it's okay for me to have hurt feelings that I need to work through, even when I can see the other person couldn't do any better than they did. Like they they have problems, okay, yes. But that doesn't negate the fact that I have needs too and that I shouldn't just be the only one giving compassion, right? I know they're not capable of giving me compassion back, but I still need compassion from someone or somewhere or self-compassion.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is a really, really, really important point that you're bringing up because it is very Easy for me, I have. I'll speak for myself to be in that place of I need to take the high road. I need to, uh, you know, understand that this person is in a lot of pain and and is hurting, and so I'm going to look the other way, or I'm going to just move on, and and that's what I've historically done, and I think it's really a very important point. So I want to sort of you know bring this back to some practical tips and you know, we've talked about a lot of things, but, you know, if somebody, you know, of course, working with an Ayurvedic practitioner or yoga therapist is is always the best way to go. If you have some things that you really want to address and and dive into, or you're having some symptoms that are really, really difficult. And that's not always an option for everybody. And And many people want to start, you know, today listening to this episode. So what would you say, Amy, would be some you know, simple ways that somebody could start to sort of dive into a practice to help with this kind of emotional digestion?
1: Well, I think journaling is a lovely thing to do. And, you know, there's there's kind of three questions that could summarize the three phases of digestion. So you could journal about phase one, the Kafka phase. What is it about this event that's really difficult for you to digest or even difficult for you to be present with and kind of hold and say, darn, that really hurts. So you could journal about that. And then phase two, what good can come from this event? What what can I learn? What skills can I learn to do better next time so I don't keep finding myself in the same place? Do I need to learn nonviolent communication? Do I need to start a yoga nidra practice daily and create space in my life to do emotional digestion. So, you know, journal about that. And then the third one, which comes after the first two, as you pointed out, if I have held it and I have digested it, what do I need to do to let this go and not have it influence me going forward? Which you cannot do unless you've done your work in phase one and two. But again, journal about it. You know, some people will say, well, I can't let it go until they apologize to me. Well, mm-hmm. honey, mm-hmm. you don't have control over if they're <laughs> going to apologize. That, that's not an option. What do you need to do to let it go? And that, again, probably means you need to go back and hold it, digest it a little longer so that you feel clean at the end. So I would say journaling or, you know, I have some really good girlfriends that we talk at a specific day and time every single week and we give each other empathy. For all the suffering that we have, so maybe find an empathy friend. Um, if you can go to a counselor, especially if your insurance will pay for that, and you could just say, "You know here's the the three things I'm working on. I'm trying to figure out how to be present with challenging emotions. I'm trying to figure out how to process them and and let them go. and maybe your insurance psychologist could could help you work through that. And other things. We have a Yoga Nidra facilitators course coming up in the fall. And that is a way for number one, for us to learn how to do this in part, but also to become a facilitator to help others. So it could be that you want to invest in personal and professional growth. And I know, Avanti, you've had some wonderful programs that could also help people do Mm -hmm. this kind of work.
0: Yeah. And and you as well. And we'll link in the show notes to Amy's website because she has beautiful classes, courses, and, and lots of resources that can help you with this. But I do think that, you know, these three questions is a really great uh, idea and journaling it. But also once you get good at this, I think that I would imagine that it's something that you can go through every day and just sort of review your day and just, it doesn't have to be an hour long practice. It could be 15 minutes of just making sure that you cover those three areas and really consider, you know, what is the event, you know, how can I process it and what do I need to do to let it go? I think these are beautiful practices. And then, you know, even from, you know, some people I know, and I've heard this many times from patients and students, it's really hard for them to journal or to write things down because it feels like they're in their mind so much. But do you have any ideas, you know, from a yoga therapy perspective of more physical? Because I do think for some people, depending on their constitution and on their imbalances, it can be really challenging to do something like this in their mind. Do you have any ideas of something that could be more physical? I know we always talk about this. You have to sort of think about different approaches To the same problem and to the same solution that you want to get to because everybody's built differently.
1: Absolutely. So the other day, I had a distressing text come through, and I don't know why in the middle of my yoga practice, I decided to peek at my phone, but I did. And I thought, oh, well, I'm in the middle of my practice. I'm doing some sun salutations while I'm chanting the Bija mantras to the sun. That was part of my practice anyway. And I thought, well, what a great opportunity to take this disappointment into my practice right here, right now and use the mantra and use the movement of the sun salutations to kind of push it through me. All those feelings of having too much cortisol and the fight and flight and freeze that came with that text. Like, oh, I can actually go into my asana and chanting practice and and do this. So that would be number one. Another one You know, my husband and I, we never have an argument without walking together in the woods. It can get heated. Thank goodness we're not in a city street. But we move our bodies when we, I don't want to call it fighting because we're not big fighters, but when we have a disagreement, we always move our body. We will not sit in a room and do that. And I think, again, the, you know, all of those stress chemicals and hormones and all that that comes up when you're not getting your needs met and you don't feel heard or seen, it's better to be doing that while you're walking rather than just sitting together. So that would be a, another one I would say would be more physical. If you're a swimmer or a dancer or a Tai Chi master, you can invite whatever emotions you're having into those practices and, and set the sankalpa or the intention to reflect on it and digest it while you're moving in whatever type of exercise you like to move, it's, it's intentional
0: exercise
1: then. So what do you think mm-hmm. of those?
0: I no, I love this idea because, you know, I often find so many people and my husband, you know, Kunwar, for him, the idea of meditating, of, you know, being in his head, cause he's in his head all day <laughs> thinking in his job and his work. If I was to suggest to him to sit down and journal, there would be no way he could do it you know, his prakriti, his vikriti, everything, that would be like a, like no deal. But if I told him do something physical to process this and go through these three steps, you know, as you're moving, he'd be totally into it. And so I love this idea of, of using the movement of using physical movement. And I think this also comes back to the idea of yoga therapy that, you know, Yoga and yoga therapy is not just about the asana. It's not just about one thing. There's many tools that we can use. And you mentioned, you know, chanting, you've you've mentioned asana, you've mentioned a self-reflection. These are all tools that we can use to process these different emotions. And so I think these are really great ideas, Amy.
1: And while asana for exercise has been kind of getting a bad, bad rap, think we can say asana is a really important part of moving the spine and moving all of the endocrine glands and working with that, those chakras. I mean, if we use asana or postures in a very intentional way, that's very different than I'm going to go get my hour and a half yoga workout.
0: Sure. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all about energy. You know, the asanas mm. are are more about the energetic body, <laughs> which we know. And yes, it has benefits then that are downstream on the physical body, but it really mm. is about the energetic body. So we're we're quite literally, if you're using asana as a way to process these emotions and we're coming full circle back to the beginning of the episode of the emotional body, the endocrine glands, we can do that so incredibly effectively through asana if it's done with this intention. So, I think that that's a really, really important point. This feels like a good place for us to end. We've talked about so many different things. I'm going to have to go back and listen myself and and re listen and take some notes. But thank you so much for doing this with me, Amy. I think that this deep dive into emotional digestion and this sort of three step process that you've laid out is so incredibly profound and helpful. And I think that the listeners are really going to benefit. A lot from it. So thank you for doing this with me, Amy. Thank
1: you for having me. It's been my pleasure and I look forward to having you on our podcast too.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, Find me on Instagram at Avanti Kumar Singh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.